For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Episode 140, it's your host Greg Troxel, and we are not as excited to do this one because Man City almost scored 140 goals, but to bring us to, to talk about this, to, to encourage us to talk about this even further, I couldn't do this alone. So I'm bringing in the best damn goals in the land, Elijah Newsom. How you doing? Unreal. Excited to be here um, to discuss our our faithful, our loving and faithful, and always determined Newcastle United. Those mags, as we say um, in the streets, the mags. Mag gang, yeah, that was mag gang. That was uh, we we like us. We're really experiencing the highs and lows right now because um, that was a low. <laughs> that was that was a low low. But we did like, I don't know. We did say that we would get battered. Yeah, we like, did. We, we, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. I was, I mean, I was honestly, I, that, that was, I was expecting that. Maybe not to that degree, but I was expecting us to not win. So yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah, we uh, we were bad. Well, at least we don't have to talk about uh, Bruce for manager of the year anymore. I think that pretty much settled that debate, right? <laughs> no, no, because Klopp might win it, and they also got battered by uh, by Man City for nothing. Well, yeah, Klopp's going to win it because he won. No, no, but th- like that, when you look at eyesores on his resume, that that's the biggest one right there. Who? Klopp. No, I'm talking about Bruce. Remember how they were talking about you know could win Manager of the Year? That that conversation's over. Yeah, I know. I'm saying like we're not talking. It's not over because Klopp also got battered by Man City. So it's like you got two great managers who also who both got battered by Man City. It, it's it's tough. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be down to those two. Oh man, Elijah. Ah, uh, well, uh, follow us on Twitter mm. at chn underscore radio and at coming home nufc. Uh, go on our website, create an account. Um, you can comment on all articles and check out the content that we have. There's a great article on there from Gavin Peacock that Andy interviewed. Really good. Must read there. Um, and then you can go into some of our past podcasts. We've had some some specials from Graham with Jim Rosenthal and Super Mac. And then even uh, the False Nines going to keep you updated on the Premier League. So keep listening. Oh, Thank you for – And False Nines dropping at the same time as us. Yeah. They have – a fire interview in their pod. We're not going to reveal who it is, so you got to listen to oh, it. Oh yeah, see, Greg, that that's art of the deal right there. Yeah, 
<laughs> You're so well-versed in it. Thank you. Uh, so we'll start up by talking about this match. And after every match, we do our three words. Uh, we ask you to say three words. And you're probably wondering why this podcast is definitely listed as explicit, because I'm going to read your three words. And then uh, there's a bunch of them. There's like 30 of them, I think, uh, as we talk. We're going to take a, a break. We should take an ad break <laughs> mid three mid, words. Mid three words. <laughs> back, back to three words. <laughs> Yeah, no, we for sure should. <laughs> Honestly, the the whole recap could just be the three words. It's like, yeah, we've all seen the goals. They were they scored goals. They were bad, they were bad defending from Newcastle. Yeah, three words. Um, I'm probably I'm just I'm not gonna read the handles just to save time, but I will just I'll read your name. Okay. Um. So first one is Don, BLM. McAlter. Uh, Nah, Effett. Mm. Trevor Mooney, the official, well, used to be official questionnaire, <laughs> uh, said Brucey's still shite. Ohio Tune, total abject failure. Paul Rochester says the fat controller. <laughs> um, no scoring till Belmont. Beach was better. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Joe Terry says result felt inevitable. And Jordan Johnson replied to that one saying happy over. So good, good for you, Jordan. <laughs> Um, Alex Passine says City Vacuum Feet. Uh, Steven Squirrel, one would do. Mike Anderson, Bruce's resignation letter. Adam Waits, Bruce tactically inept. I wonder if he was saying the same thing last or a couple days ago. Um, Pierce 89, we want Saudis. <laughs> Gary Robson says back to normal. The machine kills fascists. Says stink, stink, stunk. Oh, sorry, stink, stank, stunk. Oh, is, is that the one with the Grinch gif as well? Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that. <laughs> if you're if you don't know about the Grinch, then you're probably lame. I feel like I'm missing a joke with this name, but F eighty five F fifty seven Blake says Ederson one save. Um, Randall abysmal, abysmal, abysmal. Kez uh, says not that bothered. Colby Wilson, as we thought, Phil Farrell, Phil, Phil Perrins. That, wow, that, so, that messed me up. I hate Bruce. King Kev says, sadly, as expected. Eric, approve the takeover. Steve Lockie, constantly passing backwards. Timmy, get Ashley out. Uh, Ralph Holmes says, no surprise there. The Jambassador, that's a name. There we go. Uh, tuned off early. Jolinton. Oh, Jolinton. Nice. Said, I'm glad he listened. Said needed service desperately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that might be one of the best three words of all yeah. time. Thanks, Joe. So Thanks good. for letting us know, yeah. Joe. Glad uh, Joe's a, a long-time listener. Uh, MMC says normal service resumed. Max mm. says Dubrovka deserves better. Alex Walsinho says five defenders worked. MMC also said complete utter garbage. Craig Vincup Vinup says a he started. So that's his fault. A effing disgrace. NUFC Iceman says fucking absolute shite. Uh Davy Hall says set of cunts. <laughs> Man. Ali yeah, says Bruce fuck off. So um, I think that's all of the three words. 
Uh, oh, wait, no, oh, we wait, have two, two more. more. Um, oh, you, you got them? Or do you want... Yeah, you might as well end it. End it, end it. Yeah, uh, Andy, uh, Ryder, check him out, says confirm the takeover, and Spark says four games left. Yeah. Really anticlimactic ending, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> a lot of people excited for the takeover after today. Yeah, there was a lot of Bruce, a lot of saw it coming, and a lot of t- Salvi's come here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us would welcome new takeover updates at this point, but it's true. Um, the, the wins and the, and the points and the draws that, that all kept us, um, a little distracted from the takeover news. Now we're right back into it. Yeah. Uh, cool. So let's talk about the match then. Okay. And we really got into it here with the, with the lineups. That was, yeah, it was, that was a surprise. So it was bizarre. I'll read the lineup and we'll we'll just kind of see what happens there. Uh, here we go. Just pulling it up real quick. Okay. So we had Dubrovka, Yedlin, Kraft, Fernandez, Cher, Rose, Shelby, Bentaleb, Lazaro, Richie, and Jolinton. Uh, before we get into your thoughts, Elijah. Um, I will say on the bench, which is something of note, and I'll get into it in stats, but we have Darlow, Mankio, Maddie Longstaff, Jack Young, Christian Atsu, Tom Allen, Almiron, Gale, Nito. So just seeing that initial lineup, what did you think it was going to happen? And then what did you, like, what were some other thoughts? I mean, I thought it was going to be like a, a five-in-the-back formation with, like, uh, either – uh, with like Sharon Fernandez and then either like Yedlin or or Kraft as a as a center back or something like that. I I was close. Okay. <laughs> Kraft was a center back. Um and then I mean, I don't know, I, I, everything else is business as usual. I thought it was it was cool that Valentino Lazaro started, but again, just like when Nabil Bentaleb was making his first starts, um it was just under the the least it was not under good circumstances. I mean, I don't know what you could really – you're not going to get the best out of Valentino. And, and to his point, I mean, he played a fine, fine game. Um, but you're not going to get the best out of him if he's not going to be playing with the best. It, it's, it's, it's annoying. It happens all the time with players you, you think are promising to, to be that guy that does U.S. men's national team. Josh Sargent always seems to start when we're playing all the scrubs for U.S. men's national team. It's the same thing. Like – I love Valentino Lozaro when he comes in in the 60th minute and is able to link up link up with either Miguel Amaron or Alan St. Maxman, and you're like, this is what we need. This is the, the other winger we need. And then to see him having to basically not play winger in this match was disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, I was thinking it was that, like, 5-4-1 again. Um, thinking that, like, I guess Kraft is going to play center back here. Um, because yeah, I know they weren't going to put. I I mean, I assumed they weren't. He wasn't going to put Yedlin or Rose there. Uh, that would yeah. I mean, really I, and to that point, I think there was a match where Yedlin we had changed formations. I don't remember if it's this season or last season, and he played center back for a good six minutes, and it was bad, but he he played it. So that's where I was like, oh, maybe it could be him or Kraft. Yeah, but I but Kraft, I I mean. It was it was interesting. This was it was bizarre, but yeah, I mean, you want to just go ahead and reveal the actual formation? Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah. So the match. Oh, Shelby captain. I think that's important. Yeah, that was cool. Um. So match started. It was came out what I thought was of like a four four one one, 
we had um, Fabian Cher in the midfield. And it was four in the back with Kraft as a center back. And it was um, – Shelby was, like, just off Jolinton. And Richie was on the left. Lazaro was on the right. Um, and Fabian Cher was alongside Pentaleb. So, yeah, it was – it was different. It was different. <laughs> That's all I could say, really. Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely real quick because there's not much to talk about. So we might as well have this discussion right here. Our good friends over at the Athletic wrote a really good piece on sharing a back four. Yeah. And this kind of is honestly perfect timing and basically talking about how difficult it is to play sharing a back four and how maybe in a four back setup, he's more suited as a defensive midfielder. And we saw that today. Um, needless to say, I don't think it worked, um, but initial thoughts on Cher not being a center back, do you think that it's something that, that is a trend that will continue? Um, and, and by the way, this is like bizarre because there are only two healthy center backs on the club right now. It's Cher and Fernandez. Everyone else is, is injured or done for the season or have a knock or whatever. So I don't know. It was weird to see him not play center back, but then after reading that article, it was like I completely understand – not sorry about center back if you think that he's going to be leaking in goals. Um, yeah. So I, uh, by the way, Inter Miami scored just an MLS update live for you. Um, the problem is share share doesn't have the mobility. What? Well, that's a nice goal. Oh, oh, I just saw the goal. It was a nice goal. Yeah. Share doesn't, he doesn't have the mobility or the, uh, I guess the legs to, to handle a like to play 90 minutes in the midfield like he doesn't and a lot of people were saying like oh share looked awful today well yeah he's he's not he doesn't do that he doesn't do what we're asking of him like you see yeah. you see him like yeah he's done some great things as a center back and like scoring and stuff but like that's that's not something to, to do that he does every day i mean i don't know like he's just not yeah built there, there's there's and there's not a lot of CDM center back hybrids, and if they are, they're one. They're either extremely athletic, yeah. which no offense to share, they he isn't, or they are just like world class. <laughs> like they're just like some of the best in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, one good young guy is Bubakar Kamara Kamara, who plays for I want to say um, Olympic uh, Marseille, and he plays CDM and center back for them, and he's he's a beast. Um, but. I mean, that's it. And then you think on the, on the other end, it's like Weston McKinney, who's insanely athletic, and he plays center back in CDM, but mostly CDM. So shares, no offense, I'm not either one of those. I understand the, the sentiment of the article saying maybe try him out a different position, but ultimately they were saying that, like, you can play him at center back as long as you have a super rock-solid defender that's not going to venture forward. And unfortunately, you can't – you couldn't say that Fernandez wouldn't do that because – he and Cher both tend to, to venture for it. Fernandez, a really solid defender in his own right, but I could understand playing Kraft there. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't think Kraft looked bad there. He just he didn't look good either. I don't know if it would have been better or worse with Cher, just given how lax Cher has been on defense in general since the restart. So it was it was certainly bizarre. But, yeah, that was our lineup. And, and Man City threw out a fire lineup. I mean, and then they could bring off, you know, players worth more than our whole side off the bench. So, you know, typical man city there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I saw uh, Chris Wolf post, posted a, an article saying that like a lot of people think 
Cher's best position in the long term is midfield. I mean, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I. Uh, that's the other thing is that like. I mean, it, it's really annoying because there there's an element of Fabian Cher at his best. You can see him playing in a back four or in a back three, and you know maybe even as a CDM. Yeah. But we're just not seeing him at his best, and so that's the problem that people are having, and that's the the issue at hand is that like share we're not seeing the best of share in general. So it's really hard to make a judgment on whether or not he could play as a midfielder because I mean today he was lackluster. I mean obviously he's not athletic enough, but I mean he could put in a decent shift. Maybe you switch tactics. Maybe he's sitting more like a like a four one four one where he's like sitting literally in front of the center backs and he's just really there as a distributor. I could see him working there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have to be in front of a back four. Um, yeah. And him being and the solely deep back midfielder or something. And that's the other thing is that in this setup, he just wasn't a CDM. He was essentially a central midfielder mm-hmm. and was expected to be a part of the attack and run back and forth. And he kind of looked a little bit lost at times. Yeah. Um, I, but I was, I said he had about 30 minutes of that. Like, he had about yeah. 30 minutes, and after that, he was going to be tired. Mm-hmm. But the game was already over before then. <laughs> um, yeah. It was one nothing pretty quickly after the start, um, and it was terrible by center backs. Yeah, everyone. Um, even though I'm not going to give Kraft too much shit for, for today. But um, it was a good finish by Jesus, but Silva put put it into the area. Uh, put it into the area. Nobody was marking him, and – um, easy goal, one nothing, and City. We made it look easy. Yeah, I mean, someone tried to, like I had said, Lazaro was was decent today, and I, I believe he was. I think there, it was. This was a weird game because there were players that, like individually, you look at their performance, you're like, that wasn't bad, but as a team, it was just awful. Um, and Lazaro was one of those players, and someone's like, oh, but what about the first goal? And then I rewatched the first goal, and I was like, I mean, Lazaro is coming. One, well, by the way, tracking all the goal. way back. I think they someone they were someone said about. to look at the first goal. Oh, uh, the second I mean, the goal. Second goal. The second goal. I honestly put more on Danny Rose for just not tracking anyone in the box because that was literally he. That was the man he was supposed to be marking. But that's just me. I mean, you we'll, get, we'll get to that. Around. We'll get to that. But yeah, but in the first goal, especially, it was like Azaro wasn't even really supposed to be back there defending. Yedlin just I don't know where he was, and then both center backs couldn't stop a low cross. That was literally right in front of them. And um, Martin Dubrovka was rightfully so pissed. Um, but honestly, I, I said, hey, we got six minutes in and we didn't let up a goal. And then three minutes later, we, we let in a goal. So at least we made it past six minutes without letting in a goal. Yeah, seriously. Because it looked like it was going to happen or even earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, second goal came right after. And this is probably what they were meaning about Lazaro uh, because this whole attack happened because of Lazaro. He, it was a, terrible turnover on his part um oh, yeah. and he just gave it away and then running like at, on the counterattack, uh like you could drive a semi truck through the gaps in our defense Dude, on this it, it it's actually bad. crazy rewatching it because old kdb just i mean he was just like is this real <laughs> like like can i just really walk through here but he dragged mm-hmm. it back to uh, was it Riyad Mahrez? Is that right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's who scored. And he he passed it into the net. And he had... Yeah, made history, Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. But we'll get into that in stats. I'm sure you can. It's kind of sad that the, most of the stats are probably going to be about Man City. Yeah. 
because it was like a cool game for them. They broke a ton of records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it's, I think the, you talk about those gaps and I think that was, I think everyone's main issue with, with this. And that's why it's like, you know, you can have the debate like Newcastle going for it, blah, blah. Like, I guess in some eyes going for it was going, was going at the back four. And it, it clearly, I wouldn't say we were going for it at all. Um, but they certainly weren't bunkering. And that was the issue I had was like, you either are going to go for it or you're going to bunker. You can't do this half-assed well, that- in-between effort where it's like you're just going to stand off of everyone and not even attempt to close down anyone or mark anyone. See, I would disagree because I, I think they did bunker. I don't think they bunkered as hard as, as much as they did in the 2-0 loss. I mean, they, I, mean, I think they, they just, definitely bunkered, though. I, I mean, okay, you could say they bunkered, but they didn't do a good job of it. Well, yeah. Because, like, I mean, they were still – like, when you think of Newcastle bunkering against Man City in the past or bunkering against Liverpool, like, they're at least putting forth an effort and closing down guys and things like that. But they weren't even doing that. And, I mean, for about 30 minutes before – about 30 minutes in the first half, they didn't even sit as deep as they normally would when they, I mean, they really did ease into it after the second or third goal. But for the, in the first 30 minutes, it seemed like they could decide between whether or not they were going to try to like play off the counter or bunker. It, it just, it just looked bad. But the main issue in my, in my eyes was just the fact that like no one was closing down anyone, which is just like really concerning from a team that honestly, even this season, despite the goals they've given up, have built their foundation and identity as a team as being solid defensively, closing down, working hard, and, like, none of those things were, were happening against Man City here. Yeah. And there really is no excuse for it. I mean, obviously, I made a tweet about the fact that, like, this was never going to be a win just due to the fact that, like, our best attacking players were out. But that doesn't excuse people from working hard in defense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, after the the break in the first half, the drink break, uh, we had 21% possession and zero shots. Um, but we got a shot right after that, though, so that was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so cool. But honestly, we, I mean, we were lucky that it was still 2 nothing at that point. Uh, but yeah. it, it didn't it, – it, we went to halftime. It was it was 2 nothing. That's literally the only report. Um it looked like it could be five nothing by halftime, but yeah, something needed to change at the break, and um, it just like it, everyone knew what was going to happen, and that's my half my first half report. <laughs> Worth your- noting that Newcastle um, they got two set pieces in the, in the first half, and it was very evident. By the way, Danny Rose, king of winning fouls, they like Dustin uh, from the Tottenham site did warn us that Danny Rose wins a lot of fouls, and this was like the perfect game. He won like six, like five or six fouls. Um, But uh, like it seemed pretty evident that Newcastle's number one option for scoring was going to be set pieces because they won pieces. I mean, they, they, and they tried to look threatening at all the other ones, but. Definitely, that was going to be the route. I mean, our only shot on target was a, a free kick one by Danny Rose or Joel Linton, one of them, for falling down. And uh, John Joe Selby whipped in a delicious cross to Federico Fernandez, who headed it directly at the keeper. And that was in the middle of the first half, shortly after the drink break, probably like the 35th minute or something like that. Um, but, yeah, like you said, at 2-0, we were kind of lucky to be down only 2-0. Uh, 
it it looked like it was just going to be bad. Like best case scenario, the game was going to end two nil. Yeah. Worst case scenario it is Ten. what happens. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> um. So second half started. There was no changes. Um. And pretty quickly into it, uh, it became three nothing, and it kind of just summed it up. Like Jesus and Faden were like one twoing and just easily walked through our defense. And Say Faden. Foden. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, it's Phil Foden. Um, and then Richie tried to tackle him, and it actually went off Fernandez and into the net. So, uh, yeah, three nothing. Um, what's your thoughts on that play? So Richie did score, just not for us. I, I don't know, dude. This. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. It is. Like every since the second goal, every every goal was inexcusable. I mean, honestly, the free kick was uh, even the free kick was inexcusable. I mean, we can get into that, but like that's a that's a Dubrovka error, one hundred percent, and I'll die on that hill. What? I mean, I thought it was a great free, free the actual free kick that was scored, the fourth goal. Oh, we're going to the fourth one. I mean, sure. I yeah. have nothing to say about the third one. Yeah. yeah. So the, yeah, David Silva free kick. I mean, yeah. Uh, Kubravka didn't move, and it was four nothing. <laughs> like that's, yeah. Like Dubrovka. So I mean, and they kind of talked about this on the broadcast, and I I saw it as it was happening. I was like, Dubrovka's leaving so much space for him to curl it. Just around. all he has to do is curl it around the wall, and Dubrovka's not going to get there because he was so far to like. He was I guess, very left. I mean, the far parts. He was. He was very. It was. It was. I was like, oh man, this is. If he just curls his end, and it's like. You have a a player like Silva who, I mean, definitely going to miss watching that guy in the Prem. I mean, not going to miss it from a Newcastle perspective, but just like in general, what a player. Really sad that this is his last season in the Prem, um, unless Newcastle decide that they want to throw a lot of cash at him. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, just, I mean, it was a delicious free kick. He knew exactly what to do. And, I mean, I feel like that's all on Dubrovka for just – he set up the wall okay, but you have to, you have to be able to cover – that that side of the side of the goal, especially when the free kick's on that side. Yeah. Um, then let's talk about the fifth goal. Sterling. Mm. What do you think there? <laughs> We're just whizzing through it. I mean, nobody wants to hear relive these. I don't know. I mean, good for him. He scored. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Uh, Sterling's got two goals against Newcastle in two weeks. I don't think that's ever happened to him before. So, I mean, shout out to him um, uh, for that personal accolade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was bad goal from Newcastle's perspective. At that point, the team had completely given up. At that point, Christian Atsu and Yoshinori Muto were on. Um, and, I mean, this is something that Greg and I talked about before off off air, but – Definitely worth noting on the podcast. We had two NUFC youngsters that were on the that were on the bench. I feel like this is a fine time to just give them a taste of Premier League football against a quality opponent, and we didn't do that. I don't know your thoughts on it. I mean, we gave it to two guys where we kind of know where they are on the team. Muto is is most certainly the fourth option at striker. Christian Atsu is our second winger off the bench. Not even going to make the bench most days. Um, I don't know what else it could offer you with less than, I mean, it was about 15 minutes left and a half. It was the 75th minute. 75th minute, I don't know what they're going to offer you that, you know, is even worth putting them out there. 
besides just getting I mean, legs underneath them. But even then, you know that neither one of them are really going to be playing the rest of the season. There's only four matches left. Why not give a debut to, to two youngsters, one of which who actually was quite decent for you in the FA Cup? So I, I thought it was weird. Rafa did the same thing. I used to get annoyed about it as well. I honestly respect it a ton when managers just give guys their debuts just for the sake of it because it's like, I mean, why not? It's a, it's a life-changing moment for these individuals, and, you know, it gives them something to work for work towards. Instead, these two lads, unfortunately, had to be non-participants in a 5-0 absolute shit-pumping, and, like, that's what they walk away from yeah. <laughs> being their first time named to a Premier League bench. At least, like, they could have played. Like, I don't know. That's my thoughts. I don't know what you think, Greg. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't see play the kids. That's that's what I, that's the, always the the thing that I'm on. It would have been cool to see them go up against some of the the best, and like even if it's for ten minutes, I think those kids don't care. Uh, Maybe what, it works out. Like Matty Longstaff, he made his debut against some of the best, and he scored a goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're going to be extra motivated. They're not going to care about the scoreline. That's there's no pressure on them at this point. Like. Newcastle yeah. are going to lose this match. Um, put them in and just have them run around for 10 minutes and see what happens. So, yeah, I'd, I'm in agreement with you there 100%. Um, At a minimum, yeah. they get used to the pace of the game, which it is just drastically different from from anything they've experienced. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was it. It was awful. There was no positives besides the fact that we didn't lose by more. And oh, I have a positive. I mean, I'll get into, I'll get into it later. I have, I have one positive. Okay, uh, but yeah, we expected them to lose, but we also expected a game plan, uh, which I, we didn't. There wasn't one, and there was some terrible individual performances, uh, which we'll definitely get into. So um, we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna go into quotes and stats and all that fun stuff. So we're gonna do that okay. right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, we got quotes. You ready for quotes? I've never been more ready for quotes in my life. Um, Steve Bruce said, we've not got our flip-flops on. We're down to the bare bones. But despite that, I expect us to be better, and I demand <laughs> we are better for the remaining games. It was, Man, <laughs> what? It was painful, I'm afraid, especially after where we, ha- where we have been. But I think the whole thing has obviously caught up with us, and we haven't done enough. They're very, very good. We know that. Since the lockdown, they've turned the champions over, and they've played them twice in a week, which has been difficult. They were on the day just too good for us. Unfortunately, today we were no nowhere near the level which we had to get to if we were going to take anything from here. We were disappointed, but I have to say that we're far too. They were far too good for us. We have we have got to be brutally honest and say we did not do enough to lay a glove on them. Um, and then he said we we knew we were up against it. We can't be without six or seven of our better players, especially when you come to a place like this. But I don't want to use that as an excuse. <laughs> Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel the same. I, I saw the lineup and I knew it was going to be a loss. I mean, we said it was going to be a loss beforehand, but we knew. Yeah. ASM and Miggy. And by the way, I, it's 
I think this is worth noting. It's not a quote from today. It's a quote from um, yesterday. Uh, See, Bruce mentioned that Miguel's been playing through a thigh injury. And at that point, it was like, I mean, neither one of these guys are playing. Uh, ASM had a, a bit of a knock with his hamstrings, of course, typical. But and, and then you got Miggy playing through a thigh injury. Neither one of them were going to play. Yeah. And it's not worth it, honestly. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Newcastle are safe. Goal differential doesn't really matter anymore. Um, if anything, we both had this down as a loss. I'm sure in the eyes of Steve Bruce, this was a game where he could rotate. I mean, you've got a couple more matches where you can pick up some solid points, move up in the table, maybe get in a top 10 finish before you play Liverpool. But, I mean, I, I'm, I understand what Bruce is coming from. I, I thought it was hilarious he said the flip-flops thing. That's just yeah. that's just an all-time Steve Bruce line. Oh, yeah. Uh, let, let's go to stats then. Um, stats for me. Uh, you have stats too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, so it was the first – Senior selection for Jack Young. He wore number 60, and uh, Tom Allen uh, was not his first senior appearance. But um, but congrats to Jack Young for – Wasn't it his first Premier League appearance, though, like in terms of like being on the bench? No. Uh, really? He's been on the bench before, but that still has not made an appearance. Uh, Boo. But um, Jack Young's only 19 years old. On the bench. So that's that's always a good time to see that. He looked like he looked like a fourteen year old when they zoomed in on him. I was like, this dude is young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what some stats have you have? Oh, my, oh, my, that was it. <laughs> my stats are mainly um, expected and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So the first one uh, is uh, name Manchester City. This is an Opta Joe stat. Manchester City's completed ninety three point seven percent of their passes. Against Newcastle, they completed 787 out of 840. That's the highest recorded figure in Premier League history since they started tracking passes in general. So there's that. Um, Another one that's fun is that uh, with Riyad Mahrez's goal, that's his 10th goal of the season, uh, Man City become the first team in Premier League history to ever have five different players score at least 10 goals in a season, which is absurd if you think about it. Especially when you consider no Newcastle player has ten goals, um, <laughs> so that that's that's that. Um, and then there's one more. Oh, Newcastle! Second time this season they've they've uh, given up five goals. Uh, fourth time this season they've given up at least four goals. And then um, this is actually a stat from the great Andy, uh, who is one of our writers. We've mentioned multiple times. Um, check out his work. He just wrote a brilliant article, a nice little interview. Um, he says that it is um, – wait, what did he just say? Oh, I've lost the stat. Okay. 78th time we've considered three more goals in our last 10 Premier League campaigns. Um, so that is just an interesting stat. Yikes. But it, if you think about it, makes sense. If you're looking at our last 10 years, that's the Ashley era – there's only a couple good seasons where Newcastle are, a, you know, a contending team. So hopefully that all changes. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, just some of my stats, Man City had 3.29 expected goals to our point two two. Oh. Um, so like three to nothing was the expected scoreline, I guess. Uh, just a little trivia for you. Who led Newcastle in expected goals? 
uh, Federico Fernandez. No. How? Federico the only... had .02 expected goals. But didn't he? wasn't he the one with the shot on target? Yeah, but that doesn't count as expected. Uh, if you if you shoot it straight at the keeper, it doesn't count as an expected but, goal. I okay, I don't understand expected goals then. Because that's the highest chance, in my opinion, of us scoring. I don't even remember anyone else having a shot. Oh, Matt Ritchie hit a guy. <laughs> he, sh- he shot it, like, literally, like, two feet away from 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 a person. So, and it- <laughs> yeah, so, like, um, this is a very – tough question to answer because nobody had even 0.1 expected goals. Uh, it was Maddie Longstaff had the highest. It was 0.09. Um, so, and then Jolinton was 0.06 at second. He barely touched the ball. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Also had one shot um, and it was the best of the chances of any other players. Man, expected goals. I don't understand it. Maybe I'm too old. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, who do you think led in, Expected assists. Um, John Joe Shelby. No, he did not register a single, single point. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but that's weird. He's the one who took the free kick. Yeah. That, how's that? What's that have to do with assists? But like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's a, that's a cross on target. Like, it's a it's a cross on target into the box. That that counts for nothing. Yeah, no, not not unless like you're. It's are you expected to get an assist from this run of play? And a free That's kick. What I'm saying. A free like, kick does not quantify that. Interesting. Even if the free kick leads directly to a chance. Well, then yeah, then it would be calculated in something, but. Would, but. But that's it's, the thing. Well, is that it, okay, it's so led it's, directly to a chance. It's not. It's not John Joe. It was Javier Minkio at point zero nine. <laughs> I mean, um, it's. I mean, it's still. That's the thing. Is like, I literally could not think of another player. Yeah. Well, that that, that was did anything point. worthwhile. Uh, yeah. That was that was the point of that. Um. Yeah. So your, your point is made. I've just become. Uh, um. I've just become confused by the whole concept of expected yeah, anything. Yeah. We can do that out off the pod. <laughs> no, that should be a pod in itself. Just explaining expected. Get get Hoey the stats on here as well, and you guys can explain expected everything to me. Yeah. Because I don't get it. Um, Man City had 23 shots, are six, nine to one on target. Um, they Wait. pass, yeah, 23 to six. 23 shots. Um, That's got to be some sort of record, too. I mean, uh, pl- passes completed with an estimated distance of 20 yards of goal, um, 23 to one. Manchester City led. Um, there, we allowed 33.3 passes in our own half um, per defensive action. So basically we just sat there and took it. Um, Manchester mm. City's expected points were 2.91 to our 0.05. So, yeah, uh, pretty straightforward there. For 538, uh, they project how the season will, will finish up. And we're, we're still we're, – well, we're actually safe. And I do have bad news. We can no longer qualify for the Champions League. Uh, super sad. That's sad. Yeah. I was really hoping. Uh, but they have us in 13th um, on 46 points tied with Crystal Palace. Um, that's where they think we'll end up. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, let's uh, – 
Let's go to worst players because there's no best player. Okay. I want to give shout-outs to three players, but we'll go worst player then. Okay. Actually, four players. You want to give a shout-out to four players? Yes. Okay. I I have to hear this then. At moments, had moments of like, okay, I – like – Individually, I could see them improving in general. What? First, this is yes. as you're explaining this as confusing as you think expected is. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll say this. There are four players who I thought looked better than they did in previous matches, if that makes sense. Like overall this season. For example, okay. Joel Linton d- demonstrated the ability to one, not fall. He didn't fall at all this match. And two, he actually held the ball up and was able to play passes out of the position of being like a hold-up type striker. So I think that is worth mentioning. That's all I have to say about that. Danny Rose, okay, decent defending today. Outside of the second goal where I was like he lost his man, a lot of great clearances, a lot of great tackles, won a lot of fouls, deserves some sort of recognition. Valentino Lazaro at times literally on an island by himself, dribbled his way through a lot of defenders, Deserves some sort of recognition. And John Joe Shelby, I, I'm not really sure like what he was asked to do, but he did it well to the best of his ability. That's like like I mean, it was it was bizarre. Like, I mean, he was defending, he was he was involved in the attack. I mean, he was literally our only, I guess, dangerous player. But I do think it's worth noting that I looked I came away from that match being like, okay, it's it's reassuring knowing that Joel Linton now has the ability to hold up play. It's reassuring knowing that Valentino Lazaro, like, he's able to dribble past top-quality defenders, able to make the right passes. It's not just stuff in in um, in substitution garbage time where people are tired. He's able to do it against the best of the best throughout the whole match. And I think it was a little bit reassuring, especially being someone who's not really a huge Danny Rose fan. See, Danny Rose, like, okay, I understand why you brought him in. Like, he's a, he's a solid defender. He does win those fouls. He looked like he wanted to be involved. He actually looked like one of the few players that cared and wanted to try, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that. And, I I mean, I think John Joe, like, I don't really know where he really made a mistake. Like, he seemed to be one of the only players that was actually trying to press. When we had the ball, he was the first option, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, not saying that these guys were, like, standout individuals, but noticing individual things that give me hope for the future is, is what I wanted to bring attention to. Yeah, that's uh, you, you'll probably be on an island alone there. I don't think anybody performed well. Um, who scored? You'd say that, but people agreed with me on Twitter. So that's that's fair. People also agree that Steve Bruce is a better manager than Rafa Benitez. So uh, fair. That's also fair. Uh, no, no, no player in who scored received a, any, even a six point five for Newcastle. Fabian Share had the highest at six point four six, which is just well, they go best. That- uh, That's proof who score doesn't isn't right. Uh, Jolinton had a five point nine. John Joe had a five point nine also. Uh, but yeah, who's your worst player? I mean, Fabian Chair. I, I not and I don't know if it's his fault alone. I think it's a bad run of form, and it's unfortunate because like this is the worst time to have a bad run of form um, when your team is doing really well without you. Every time you play, you want to at least prove that you're even worth being in the team, and he just hasn't done that. Um, and this was – I think this was really bad. And, again, we kind of alluded to it earlier. I don't know if it's really his fault. I mean, he's being asked to play a position that he normally doesn't play. It's one thing to ask him to play CDM and sit in front of a back line and essentially be a, a sweeper-type center back. But 
to ask him to play as a full flat fledged central midfielder, box to box guy is a bit ridiculous from Steve Bruce. Um, so I, I think he's my worst player partially because he wasn't great, but partially because like he was asked to do something that he's just not ever going to be comfortable doing. Yeah. The, for me, the one player that was absolutely outclassed in pretty much every facet for me was Nabil Bentaleb. He was awful. Oh, he was bad. bad. Um, he, his two, two bad passes led to directly to goal. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, <laughs> was absolutely bad. brutal. Um, just didn't even look like he was even close to good enough to be there. And also another one who needs a lot of disciplining right now is Federico Fernandez. He sucked too. Just lazy. Um, I, I, it's, I give you a little, the reason I didn't pick him as my worst is because he's probably playing with Kraft for the first time in this pairing. So there's probably a lot of miscommunication. They don't, there's not a bunch of chemistry there, but, uh, Bentaleb, there's no excuse for how he played today. That was just terrible. It's really interesting is because I saw this at Schalke with Bentaleb too, and we're getting bonus league and nerdy. He very much, there's like a certain type of player you have to play him with. Like, I feel like with a lot of midfielders in Newcastle, it's kind of plug and play. I think Sean Longstaff is kind of like this, too. Like, you have to have him with a player. It's like he can either play alongside a John Joe Shelby, where he's, like, asked to defend and just recycle possession, or you can play him, like, with a Isaac Hayden, where you just, like, get forward. Yeah. Except there's no in-between. Like, he can't play with a guy who, like, is all getting forward and, like, doesn't really help out in defense, like Sean Longstaff, who we're finding out might be a number 10, who knows. And he definitely can't play with Matty Longstaff, who's just completely undisciplined. And he definitely cannot play alongside Fabian Scherer. He can't be the guy. He's a complimentary piece in every way whatsoever. And I'm, I think we're seeing that. That being said, this is, this is the hot topic, because I was debating this before this match, and I'm, I was leaning one direction, but maybe I'm, I'm, I might be switching directions here. Bentaleb, 8.5 mil, depth piece. I don't think he's ever going to start for Newcastle. Depth piece, would you pull the trigger on him right now? Or do you think there's other options better right now available for that price? Yeah, I would not take him. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and we don't need a depth piece. We need an 8.5 million starter. So I'm looking in, a, in like Austria and Belgium to find that person. So. I'm about to say, I don't, I don't know where you're going to find 8.5 mil starter. Yeah, that's what you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do some. I mean, scouting. Isaac Hayden was a three million dollars starter, so I'm sure we can do something. That's uh, true, but also the the player Steve Bruce has has been. I don't know. The player Steve Bruce has has point out as like targets for him have been just like guys from the championship who it's like, I don't know. There's some guys that are just they're there for a reason, and I don't know. Like Steve Bruce still thinks Dwight Gale is like one of the best strikers at the club, and it's just like. It's just not true. So well, he is that's one of the best strikers worry. at the club, technically speaking. <laughs> but it's like he might like be our he's best. Not, yeah, like <laughs> it, it's just it's annoying because it's like obviously Dwight Gale is not like as good as as Steve Bruce thinks he is or says he is, and maybe that's a confidence thing. Steve Bruce just talks highly of every player. There's nothing bad to say about anyone, like ever. But I don't know. I, I don't know. It's really annoying for me because Benzlev the past two matches was great. Like, I thought he was fine. And it was annoying because it's like he was good playing with, like, John Joe Shelby. Like, that is, like, the partnership that makes sense for him. And he was doing all his little, like, nifty little dribbling and stuff. But then he has matches like this or matches like the FA Cup where it's like he's absolutely brutal. I don't know. I could see him being used as a sub, et cetera, et cetera. 
and also I don't know if 8.5 mil is like even it, I don't know it, it seems like that's that's like the running rate for depth players in the Premier League Newcastle are just a team and to your point Newcastle are just a team that like have been bargain hunting for so long that like me saying 8.5 mil sounds like a big number and it could be used elsewhere to find a starter but like in the grand scheme of things 8.5 mil is the going rate for a depth player in the Premier League yeah yeah, we're just used to spending nothing on death players in the Premier League. Yeah, we'll bring in Sung Young Ki again on a free. There you go. All right, we're gonna take another break, and then we're going to preview our upcoming match against Watford. Uh, so we'll take that break right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, so we have Watford coming up. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, is Watford good, Elijah? Yes or no? I'm going to say no. Okay, well, then we should be fine. <laughs> um, you would think that, yeah. um, but, we, I mean, the, the worst team we play, the, the, the lower we saw, we saw to their standards. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, not I, since COVID, I guess, but... Uh, no, since COVID. We shouldn't, well, actually, we shouldn't no, draw against Aston Villa. Like, and West Ham. Yeah, that's like, I mean, Bournemouth is the only team that we beat handily yeah. that's bad. Every other team, it, this whole season, every team in the bottom five, we yeah. just, for some reason, played down to their level. Norwich is um, So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Watford's in 17th. They're in a relegation battle. They're four points clear of Aston Villa. So they're, they're trying to fight for safety. So this is a very important match for them. It's not that important for us. Um, I mean, in, in comparison. But uh, let's talk about it. Look, what do you see lineup-wise, Elijah, for this one? I think we're going to get a lot of the, the main guys back. Um, I think one thing that the, the announcers kind of mentioned for NBC, and I think I'm pretty sure it's the same as the BT Sport announcers because I don't really see NBC really shelling out the cash to get their own separate broadcast team for th- this match. Um, mm-hmm. it, this this was this was a calculated loss. I think one of the reasons everyone was so lackadaisical was that like everyone on the team we knew all the all the fans knew this was going to be a loss. It was really a matter about how much we were going to lose. So in terms of team confidence, I don't know if this is is something that is going to affect the team a ton. It was a calculated rotation. Like, we saw players who we know do not play, play. Like, I mean, you even had, like I said, Christian Atsu and Yoshin Armuto make appearances. So, I, I don't know if this is going to really affect confidence that much. So, I would imagine Newcastle go back in against Wofford with a, as full strength of a side as they can. I would love to see Valentino Lazaro start. I doubt it happens. I, I'd imagine maybe Matt Ritchie or something will start in his place. Who knows? Um, but... I think that Newcastle will really have a go for it. I think you'll get a healthier, healthy-ish Alan St. Maxman, healthy-ish Miguel Amaron. Obviously, it looks like Isaac Hayden's probably out for the season. Um, we'll see what happens there in the midfield. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't – I with the injuries with Hayden and, and St. Maxman, it really still gives that, like, wild card of are they going to play or not. Um, I think Almiron should be good to go. That would be That would be a boost in itself. But yeah, like I, I really don't have any idea. Like I'm just gonna have to agree with you because like I have no clue what I would do right now if I were Bruce. Uh, there's just like playing this much, and you're just like, 
kind of at this point, it's like we're probably just going to be fine with stumbling through the next four, you know? Yeah, um, and it's it's <laughs> it's not what Newcastle fans want to hear, and it's definitely going to fuel like a lot of anger and stuff and animosity and blah blah blah. But like at the end of the day, it's it's really unfortunate. But the the and the Ashley era, the goal is safety. Yeah, that's it. And Newcastle have achieved that. And it's evident. I mean, last year we finished with forty five points. We're at forty two points right now. Like. The bar, the bar is forty five. Like, like that. That's it, and it's a successful season. So, um, yeah. I don't know. And and also, you have to keep in mind too. Like these players, we're gonna are gonna start another season in a month and a half. Yeah, that's the other thing. And, you don't and, it, even if you want to finish strong, it's not worth playing Alan St. Maxman if he's going to re-injure his yeah. his his hamstring and not play the first two months of the season. Yep. Yep. So that's something else that we have to consider for this. And and survival is again the goal. So um and who knows what this takeover situation like. Oh man, I just realized, Greg, this is an early game. Oh yeah. I I probably will not be attending this one, Elijah. <laughs> oh, okay. It will be that's good to know. Four AM my time. Uh well let's see. Jesus. Is it four? Yeah, it's four it's four it's a seven thirty match oh, in so uh, Eastern. Okay. Yeah. So hey, me might yeah, hey four thirty. You could wake up for that. Yeah, yeah, four thirty. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So one some good news in the in the lineup for Watford is Daryl Yanma is still has a knee injury, so he's not going to play. Um, uh, De La Feu and Isaac Success are also out for injury, so yeah. their best players are not playing. Yeah. Um, so, well, Troy Deeney's still playing. Yeah. The the legend. Yeah, the legend. Uh, okay, so what do we have to do to win, Elijah? Um, I mean, I think it's similar to what you do at Bournemouth. Play attacking football, roll out with the back four, try to control possession. Um, Watford aren't a team that are used to possessing the ball, um, and they aren't. They also aren't really that threatening of a team um, in general. Uh, you go, you don't have a ton of goal scorers on this team. Uh, their most, their most pertinent threat is uh, is really like Danny Welbeck, Troy Deeney. Um, I mean, you've already mentioned uh, uh, Isaac Sess is injured, De La Faye is injured. So, I mean, it's it's a it. They're not gonna they're not gonna be that threatening, especially if you have a, a somewhat full strength defense. Now, again, I, I don't know what we're gonna roll out. Hopefully, it's it's some sort of Manquillo, Lascelles, Fernandez, craft uh, backline. Maybe Danny Rose gets back in there, something like that. Then I feel really confident about them not really being able to score. And I kind of really don't care about the rest of the team because uh, I just don't see Wofford that much of a threat. That being said, I could also see Newcastle completely pissing this away and, and, and getting some sort of draw out of this. Um, Wofford barely beat Norwich uh, last time they played, which was uh, this past Tuesday. They got creamed by uh, Chelsea before that. So not in, in high spirits at all, Wofford. Yeah, and then they also got smashed by Southampton uh, before that. So, yeah. And, and – <laughs> Lost to Burnley before that, yeah. through with Leicester. Not, not a good run of form, no. just a restart for them. Uh, we're kind of getting a Burnmouth part two, I think. Um, so so that's we'll, – we'll just go straight to predictions. Um, I'm going 2-0 win for Newcastle. Yeah, I, I would go 3-0 win. Ooh, um, three. Yeah. He's getting the hat trick. No one's getting the hat trick. Uh, uh, Joel Linton's scoring, though, so we'll have that going oh. for us. Um, I do. I, I I'm being a bit selfish because I do want Miguel Amaron to get ten goals this season. I think that'd be that'd be a really like f the haters type move mm-hmm. is to get ten goals in your second season. Um, 
but yeah, it, I don't know. I just don't see Watford that as, as a threat. Um, their back line is, is okay. Their midfield is, is okay. Um, definitely taking a step back and they're in a bad run of form. Um, Newcastle, despite playing Man City, still probably are, are a bit confident just given the fact they've scored 10 goals in four games. Five. That's impressive. Well, five. But that's still impressive, and that's better than they've ever done before. Yeah. They're playing really fun and attacking football, and I hope that continues. So, yeah, I'll go through now. Awesome. Um, I guess we'll, we don't need to do an ad. We'll just close out with uh, just a little bit of news. Uh, first is Yedlin. Uh, his yeah. his people are meeting with our people, not us specifically, Newcastle's people, to uh, talk about the next steps. Uh, it looks like Yedlin, and we've said this on the pod. Looks like Yedlin's Audi. Um, what do you? How do? You, what's your thoughts? I mean, it's it's unfortunate uh, because it seems like he's just kind of stagnating in, in development. I mean, he he made some huge strides in that championship season the first season back in the Premier League, and I mean to an extent uh, last season, but at a certain point, it seems like Mankio has just continued to improve. Emil Kraft is looking much more comfortable in the back four as right back, and Yedlin still is having some of the same issues he's had before, and maybe it's just at a point where he just doesn't improve in, in certain areas, and I mean, that's okay. Um, so might as well explore some other options. Greg, if you're a betting man, what league do you think he ends up in? championship really mm-hmm. i i just see i don't know i see yedlin as a bundesliga kind of guy mid-table bundesliga side i can also see him making a shocking return to the mls i mean for the sounders that'd be something i mean who knows but also like i forgot it, the the uh the roster rules from mls he's used to making money so uh Never mind. He'd have to be a DP, and that's just like not going to happen yeah. for a right back, like ever, unless unless the right back is Trent Alexander Arnold. It's never happening at all. Um, I, I honestly think that I could see him in the Bundesliga. You're talking about a, t- uh, a league where, how do I say this? I don't want to say that it's it's not, like when you think of technically gifted leagues where he would struggle. I'm thinking Syria. I'm thinking La Liga. And I think the Bundesliga is more his pace where there's a lot of just really great athletes in the Bundesliga um, where he can make an impact as a pure athlete um, and not really be punished as much for his defensive mistakes as he will be in the Prem. Um, you know, you've got some really tricky wingers, some really tricky strikers in the Bundesliga, but they're all in the top four teams and half of them are leaving this season. So I think I could see him in the Bundesliga signing for a mid-table side for like a five or six mil transfer free, maybe seven or eight, depending on who's, who's buying. Yeah. Yeah. Some other news. Um, we signed George Roundsfell, 18 year old midfielder. Uh, that's his first professional deal. Uh, he was on Washington AFC before, and he joined on a scholarship in 2018 and, and played for the U23s, uh, made his debut against Swansea in February. Which mm. is- Always good to see 18-year-olds move up like that. Um, oh, and Jacob Murphy scored. Oh, uh, he put the your your uh, you you have their kit. Sheffield Wednesday put the Owls up one nothing against Preston North, and they ended up winning three to one. Um, so they're staying in the hunt for the playoff 
uh, championship playoffs. And then Freddie Woodman keeping his team alive too for the for the playoff. Um, they beat um, Birmingham City. They went down one nothing, but they won three to one. Mm. And one last thing to end on. It's a very serious thing. Um, Newcastle shortly after this loss today, or once again linked to Kulabai. So uh, we've fixed the issues at the back. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. We did it, ladies and gentlemen. He, they, the new owners have talked to him about being a, a leader in the new era. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely going to join Newcastle. That, yeah, it's good. and and not Man City or 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 like Chelsea or like Liverpool or any other team. <laughs> Elijah, when's the takeover going to be announced? Oh well, I mean today. It, when this comes out, it'll be a Thursday, so we'll go Thursday or Friday before 5 p.m. UK time. Whoa. Book it. All right. All right. Well, that concludes episode 140 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. That's the best damn coast in the land. Elijah Newsome. And away the last. Love you guys. It's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody. To live in Jody land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker Who stands at Phoenix door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindis Vaughn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown ale.